FromTheHeart.org Radio, in collaboration with Mayo Clinic, you are listening to Mayo Clinic Talks with Dr. Bernard Gersh. Uh, this is Bernard Gersh from the Mayo Clinic. With me is Dr. J.O., who is Professor of Medicine, Director of Cardiac Imaging, and also Director of our Pericardial Diseases Clinic, <laughs> uh, which is the subject of today's uh, discussion. And I begin, Jay, by uh, welcoming you. And also, let's uh, just phrase the question, what's new in acute pericarditis? Uh, thank you, Bernie. Uh, this is a great opportunity to really talk about uh, pericardial disease. And uh, really not uh, too much uh, in acute pericarditis, except that uh, we like to treat acute pericarditis a uh, little longer and with the, uh, and also with additional uh, medication. Uh, so in our experience, the major cause of acute pericarditis is viral, mm-hmm. idiopathic right. viral. Right. So uh, we have a patient uh, who you see during an acute episode. Mm-hmm. And, and so what's first-line treatment? How are you specifically going to treat that patient? Well, I think that uh, you know, once we establish diagnosis of uh, acute pericarditis, uh, and then I think we need to, as you said, uh, try to see whether any underlying etiology uh, quite obvious to you because uh, 85 90% of times will be viral. S- and uh, if unless you see something specific, uh, underlying etiology clinically, uh, we uh, uh, try to classify them to whether it's a low risk sort of viral and we can treat pretty simply, or somebody who needs a more care because of the pericardial effusion or tamponade or some other okay, associated so, things. So this is a patient with uh, yes. clearly acute pericarditis. Okay. They've got the classical central pleuritic chest pain, okay. which is, I mean, and, and my understanding is pericarditis is the only cause of central pleuritic chest pain. Uh, but they have that, they have the EKG changes, mm-hmm. sedimentation rate is up. No effusion, or mm. small effusion, sure. no evidence of tamponade. Mm-hmm. But they're in pain, and it's, uh, they're distressed. I think that uh, uh, the, uh, you know, we should use uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents, uh, I think aspirin or uh, ibuprofen. Would what be sort of doses? Uh, aspirin will be using uh, uh, 600 to 800 milligrams, or two or three tablets, uh, every uh, six to eight hours. 600? Milligram, milligram tablets, tablets every six to eight, eight hours. hours. Yes, and ibuprofen the same dose, uh, about eight hundred milligrams every uh, six to eight hours. So, so and then, how long do you continue for? The uh, uh, I think that's where uh, some changes we like to recommend because uh, most clinicians they just give a week or so and the patient patient uh, pain goes away, and then we stop. But I think that uh, uh, the recurrence rate, even in the uh, that low risk patients like that, will be about 15 percent. So we like to be more aggressive uh, in treating them with uh, about a three to four weeks of, of uh, non-steroidal anti At the same dose, or do you... Uh, same dose. You aspirin. don't titrate down? No, we don't titrate it down. And then at the end of four weeks, Jay, do you cold turkey it, or again, do you titrate down? I usually titrate down, you know, uh, give uh, uh, four times a day to three times a day to two times a day type o- of thing. Over about another month? About a, No, about a, just a week or so. Uh, so for the standard patient presenting first time, very symptomatic, mm-hmm. four weeks of uh, aspirin or a non-steroidal, right. and then about a week or two of titrating them down. That's right. All right. Now the patient comes back. But I think that the, uh, at w- this is where we have uh, some controversy or differences because I now 
like to uh, even add courses and even from the first time. Uh, it's a relatively inexpensive, uh, uh, innocuous, and the side effects are uh, uh, not that common. There's a good Italian trial. A good Italian trial, actually. There's a trial with a, it's yeah, a, a COPE trial. Yeah, uh, the COPE uh, trial. 120-some patients uh, enrolled uh, to to uh, aspirin versus uh, aspirin plus colchicine for three months at this time uh, with the colchicine, uh, uh, the uh, 0.6 to uh, 1.2 milligrams daily. And in that particular trial, uh, the recurrence rate uh, was uh, uh, much less than the patients who just got uh, aspirin alone. It's like a 10% versus a 30%. So in my practice, I like to be a little bit aggressive uh, since the drug is not that uh, toxic or does, do not have a lot of side effects. So do that for at least a couple months of, of that with the aspirin. So, but you, you said you're going to use aspirin and non-steroidals for about mm -hmm. four weeks mm -hmm. and then titrate down over a week. Yes. Colchicine for the same period of time or would you carry on with colchicine for longer? Well, you know, we don't have a uh, lot of data except that uh, Imazio's uh, 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 COPE trial and that particular trial I uh, used three months. So I tend to just use the three months for as a as guideline. So even after you stop the aspirin, yes. you leave them on colchicine. And, and what dose? Uh, you know, the uh, European and American dose is really different, but I think 0.6 milligram is a tablet it comes uh, as. So I try them as uh, uh, just once a day for a few days and then twice a day. Uh, uh, to uh, as a as a dose. Well, I, Jay, this, I mean, this is this is very important for our readers, um, our listeners. <laughs> Second thing, steroids, no, because they also same same trial, same study show that the once you start steroids, because of the viral replication or many other things, that the actually recurrence rate was about eighty yeah, percent. So, so it's uh, the pain relief is very very prompt. You know, uh, steroid is a very strong anti-inflammatory agent, and people feel very good. But once they stop that uh, after a week of uh, this course, the recurrence rate was eighty some percent in the particular uh, uh, particular trial. And we really uh, uh, urge uh, clinicians not to use and try with uh, non-steroidal. So steroids are forbidden. So let's take the same patient. Sure. You uh, treated for a month. You mm -hmm. carried out with non-steroidals, titrated them off, mm -hmm. kept them on colchicine, stopped the colchicine after three months. Mm -hmm. Patient comes back nine months later or three months later with a, with a recurrence. Yes. What are you going to do then? I mean, that's uh, the, actually one of the more common patients we see in a pericardial disease clinic. It's a really a, a terrible problem. I mean, they are... They cannot work. They are it's really debilitated. debilitated. I uh, think one one point we should make actually, pericardial pain is oh horrible my. pain. I mean, we don't see it that much after myocardial infarction anymore. But when you do, they're very distressed. Oh I mean, it's God. very severe this, and this very debilitating. Very tough. So you've got a problem. So the patient comes back second time. Mm, second time, you know. Um, uh, or should I say the patient has a problem? <laughs> It, it, as I said, it's challenging, uh, uh, and again, we uh, try not to use a steroid even that period. Uh, we, you know, the, the Imazio same group did a study with uh, uh, patients with a recurrent pain, recurrent pericarditis uh, within 12 months of uh, acute pericarditis, and uh, uh, I think they tried the same strategy of uh, uh, non-steroidal versus uh, non-steroidal plus colchicine. And I think that we should tr try the same strategy 
of uh, uh, non-steroidal plus colchicine even for, for the recurrent pericarditis. So that's what I do in my practice. And so the next question mm-hmm. is, um, when, uh, when is enough enough? Yes. In other words, when are you going to go to a pericardiectomy mm-hmm. for recurrent viral pericarditis without tamponade, without constriction? But, but when do you draw the line? You know, that's why we created this uh, pericardial disease clinic, and this is a teamwork. We have uh, 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 colleagues from rheumatology, uh, colleagues from, um, from immunology, colleagues from uh, cardiac surgery, uh, a part of uh, this, uh, this uh, disease, uh, pericardial disease clinic. And uh, when they come to us with a recurrent pericarditis, I want them to be seen by rheumatology. Uh, and sometimes uh, cardiac surgery, if they come here with the four or five recurrences, they try to taper. Uh, by the time they come here with the recurrent pericarditis, they already been steroid, about 80% of them, because they tried it, uh, as I said before, and it doesn't work. So uh, we try to, uh, um, uh, try to give them a, uh, some regimen that medical regimen with a very slow tapering of steroid or a combination of some immunosuppressive with the rheumatology colleagues uh, or stronger uh, anti-inflammatory agents in a longer period. And we try all of that before we make So what immunosuppressive? Well, uh, I think uh, we uh, uh, try different things. uh, And the rheumatology colleagues, uh, uh, you know, methotrexate methotrexate we use, yes. So... Uh, I'm, I'm going to try and pin you into a corner a little bit. Let's <laughs> say this is not a patient who's been on the steroids. This patient is, uh, you've seen the patient first episode, you've seen them for the second episode, and I agree. I mean, my management for the second episode is exactly the same as the first episode. Right. But now they come back with the third episode, yes. uh, third or a fourth, and they're a young patient. Mm-hmm. When would you, for the third episode, try an immunosuppressive, and then if that failed, go to pericardiectomy? Would you ever go to pericardiectomy earlier? Well, I, I, I want to make one, com, uh, one uh, comment regarding evaluation. We are using uh, cardiac MRI very frequently now because I think the, uh, this delayed enhancement of a pericardium actually tells us a lot about uh, disease status. And the reason I'm telling you about this is that uh, I have uh, several patients who came with uh, just recurrent pain, they uh, had a chest, you know, steroid therapies and even immunosuppressive. And uh, when they, when we do cardiac MRI, there's really no inflammations at all. So we got to make sure when we're doing all this down, you know, a path with uh, a steroid immunosuppressive and pericardiectomy, which we have done, Make sure that that pain is actually pericarditis pain because some people yeah they get a chronic, chronic pain, pain syndrome, syndrome and then all of a sudden so you know. so that's um, yeah that is interesting so MRI with late gadolinium enhancement of the pericardium pericardium is a sensitive index of inflammation and then CRP is very sensitive mm-hmm. and and what about old fashioned sed rate I think the uh, we have seen many patients that the sed rate is completely normal but the CRP is abnormal so we. We, pr- we get both uh, at this time, but I, my uh, impression and experience has been, our group's exper- experience has been that the CRP is a lot more sensitive in following patients. Sometimes we use that for the tapering also. Jay, I know pericardiectomy sounds a little yes. drastic, but, but if we're now in year two, mm-hmm. the patient has now had three recurrences, 
and, 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 and many of them are young. Mm-hmm. It's time to, to bring this to an end, and pericardiectomy, if done in expert hands, sure. is, is a very good operation. Yes. I, you know, before pericardiectomy, I actually will try steroid now because uh, we, we don't have any further options. Uh, if we fail steroid, uh, we're going to go ahead with the pericardiectomy. So if we are at that stage, I may try at that particular stage uh, high-dose steroid and try to taper over very slowly longer period and see whether that may uh, 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 you know, be able to, to cure. So we're pain. talking about third or fourth episode. Third, third or fourth episodes, yes. You actually, before going to pericardiectomy, would have one trial of yes, steroids. Yes, one trial of steroids. But one trial. One trial of steroids. Well, thank you very much, Jay. This is... Um, these are very, very tough patients. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and then, you know, we have done pericardiectomy f- uh, uh, close to about 60 patients, actually, with uh, this re- recurrent pericarditis. And uh, the, we are able to uh, 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 taper off their steroid about 95% of the time. It's not 100% because uh, sometimes so they have a pruritus or some other areas of uh, pain, but more than 95% of so time. So if I uh, said to you that I'd rather not, to have a trial of steroids and go earlier to pericardiectomy is this a heinous crime? Oh no no no! I think it's a it's very two hour surgeons who've been doing these procedures. It's relatively safe procedure, very simple procedure because uh, unlike constriction with a lot of and scars. Yeah, this and is constriction will yeah, do another yeah, time. Yeah. But uh, and what I'm saying is, I don't mean I'm recommending a pericardiectomy early on, but if we've had two recurrences or three yes. recurrences uh, within the space of a year, then I think that's uh, enough. I, we have many, many examples of patients who went back to work uh, healthy with no pain after pericardiectomy. I really think that uh, this is something we really should consider because uh, if somebody has a third, fourth, fifth times of recurrence of uh, pericardiectomy. Thanks for joining us, Jay. Thanks very much. Very helpful. Me. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to Mayo Clinic Talks with Dr. Bernard Gersh. Visit theheart.org to find out more.